0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In peace, let us pray to the Lord.
0: Lord Jesus, you were sent to heal the contrite. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ Jesus, You came to call sinners, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord Jesus, you plead for us at the right hand of the have mercy Lord have mercy In the highest, glory, ha, and peace to His people on earth. The Lord be with you.
1: Let us pray. Almighty, and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 11th Sunday after Trinity is written in the first book of Moses, known as Genesis, chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. The second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. All
1: Holy Gospel according to Saint Luke, the 18th chapter.
0: Glory be to you. Alone.
1: To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God. I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God the Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus. To whom does Jesus tell the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? St. Luke tells us, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Sounds like the Pharisees, right? And Jesus does draw a sharp distinction, a sharp contrast between the two. They are distinct. One group is self-justified and therefore not justified before God. They're unbelieving. And left to their own, damned. The other is repentant is the recipient of mercy and therefore justified and forgiven before God. It's one or the other it seems. Pharisee or tax collector, repentant and believing, unbeliever or believer. Except not all pharisees remained unrepentant and unbelieving. For example, Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to Jesus at night, later helped in burying Jesus. St. Paul himself was once a Pharisee. And not all tax collectors were like Matthew or Zacchaeus, tax collectors who repented of their sin, came to faith in Jesus. So who is this parable for? I think it's simplest to say this. Jesus is telling this parable to me. But who am I? Pharisee or tax collector? I think. Yes. The one by default, the other by mercy. See, the default of all mankind ever since the fall into sin is to be self-centered. That is, we are always inclined to see the entire world from our point of view. That is, we judge what we see, hear, feel, and experience based on how it feels to me. The Pharisee is no less a sinner than anyone else, even this tax collector. But his sin is hidden. It's not out in the open. His great sins are not known by reputation or even by rumor. He is outwardly pious and upstanding, and that allows him to compare himself to others favorably. That allows his behavior, his outlook on life, to be the standard by which he judges everyone else's. And he can say, well, I would not do what he does. I do more. I give more. But he is not alone in this. This is the default. Especially, I think, for those whose sin is hidden. It allows you to see the worst in others and perhaps tell your friends about it, too. To assume the worst in others because they do or are different than you. It allows you to categorize or critique people by by their reputation or by their occupation or class or family. It's to say, those people, I'm not like that. And of course, focusing on the faults of others prevents us from fo- reflecting on our own thought, faults. Because ours, by comparison, we think, aren't that bad. Thank God. The Pharisees' sins were hidden, the tax collectors were out in the open. Everyone knew what tax collectors did. It was dishonest and corrupt work. But both of them have the same default. How do you think tax collectors slept that night or got up in the morning? I doubt they actually set out in the morning to go out and rob and cheat their countrymen. Perhaps they didn't know exactly how much they were hurting their fellow citizens. They must have found some way to justify their actions to themselves and probably before others, too. They were just doing a job that had to get done, doing what it takes to make a living, make a, to provide for their families. They might have thought, it's legal, it must be okay. Or if I don't do it, someone else will. And there are plenty of other things that could be worse. I'm no murderer. No adulterer. See, the default position of both men, of all men, is to be confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. By default. We work very hard to convince ourselves and others that we are right and just and good and others not as much. And in those moments, we find it very easy to come and stand before God and to stand before men, we think. And even thank God. We can list our good deeds as proof. Thank you, God, for everything I've given to you. But you know that's a facade, right? That's just a mask, a shell. No matter who you compare yourself to, you are not righteous before God. Our default position of comparing and condemning others is proof of our depravity. This default of original sin and inclination to sin is just as damning when the sins are hidden as when they are out in the open. It doesn't matter. And of course, what is hidden will at least one day be all out in the open. Eventually it will all come crashing down on the sinner. Whether that's because someone rats you out, or calls you out, you'll always be inclined to deny it, or excuse it, or deflect it. That will always be our first instinct, by default. Or even if it would remain hidden all our lives. But a voice, at least a voice inside called a conscience, will never shut up. And you will never be able to run fast enough to get away from it or drink enough to silence it. The tax collector called it what it is God be merciful to me, a sinner. But the way people used that term, especially in the New Testament, was, was not just as a sinner being someone who sins. Everyone sins. That's everyone. That's not, a, that's not special or unique. The word was generally used for notorious sinners like tax collectors or adulterers. It was a word that people used to talk about other people's sins. Because that's our default. It's quite extraordinary for someone to say, have mercy on me, sinner. The gist behind it is if to say, not just I've messed up here or there, I've made a few mistakes. It's to say I'm a monster, I'm a wretch. And I'm out of excuses, and I should be rightfully banished, driven out from the presence of God and from men. Now, the only hope, the only remedy, the only solution for me is mercy. He doesn't use, though, he doesn't use the common word for mercy, the word we most typically use and hear, the word that people in the New Testament used when they cried out to Jesus for help, Lord have mercy, they used the word eleison. He uses a different word, a more specific word, a word referring to the, the mercy seat of God's presence in the, at the altar in the temple. It is a mercy that requires payment. To propitiate God, to appease his rightful wrath against the sinner with a sacrifice of blood. Two men went to the temple. By default, man justifies himself but receives nothing but wrath. But by mercy. Some, one, at least, receives repentance, a change of heart, which leads him not to speak in excuse and defense, but to speak the truth, to confess, and therefore receives comfort and consolation. The default for both men is the same. The difference is mercy. And the mercy begins when God grants repentance. I know that you would rather, probably rather, live life like the Pharisee. Upright and pious and outstanding. And come to church like the Pharisee and come and give God God thanks for all good things, including yourself. I know that it's much more painful to face the facts. To feel the wrath of God in heart and conscience. But I pray that God would be merciful to you in bringing this change about, so that He may also show you mercy in His sacrifice. And so that you might, you penitent sinner, might come and receive the full release of that mercy when you participate in the sacrifice given by God, shed on the altar of the cross for you, body and blood given to you by eating and drinking the body and blood of your Lord from his holy altar. This parable underscores our constant need for mercy. It is a constant need because our default is not to seek mercy. I think if we are completely honest, I, will f- I think that you will find that our most common way of speaking, outside of the church service at least, is probably more like the Pharisee than the tax collector. Listen to time to how you and others talk. And see just how many of your words are spent on how wrong or bad others are and how much is spent, how much of mercy. You might notice then that when you do come to church, when, that the liturgy of the church actually trains us to speak. We don't really need help or training to learn how to thank God for how good we are or how much we give. That is our default. But mercy, that's a gift that he must give. And so our liturgy teaches us that we are in constant need. And to find it in the Word of God and the sacraments of Christ, here we find repentance which turns us away from our default and it turns us to God's mercy in Christ, on us, on me, a sinner. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father. let us pray for the whole church of god in christ jesus and for all people according to their needs be merciful to us heavenly father for daily and much do we sin and transgress your holy will for the sake of the perfect life and sacrificial death of jesus christ your son our lord forgive our sins fill us with your spirit that we would remain humble never forgetting that we have been saved by grace through faith which was not our doing, but your gracious gift. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be merciful to our neighbors, especially those who have sinned against us and done us harm. Give us patience and strength that we would deal with them gently and humbly, and that we would be ready to forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be merciful to your church, both here and in every place, Send forth faithful pastors to deliver your grace and mercy to sinners in need. Defend all pastors from arrogance and pride, and strengthen them in the faithful preaching of your word, that true unity in the faith would be found wherever Christ crucified is proclaimed. Lord, in your mercy, be merciful to those who are unemployed or underemployed in our land, that they would find gainful employment, and bless all who labor that they would find contentment and security in their work. Lord, in your mercy, be merciful to our leaders, that they would exercise the authority given them with wisdom and righteousness, so that we would be enabled to live in freedom and peace. Lord, in your mercy, be merciful to all those in need, especially children who lack food, clothing, and shelter, and provide for their needs. Look in mercy also upon all orphans who are in need of parents to care for them. Provide them with fathers and mothers who will love and care for them as their own. Until such provision is realized, bless those who care for them, that they would do so in love, which is filled with mercy and compassion. Lord, in your mercy, be merciful to the sick and sorrowing, that they would receive not only temporal relief, but that at all, in all times and places and under all circumstances, they would know the forgiveness of their sins and hope of eternal life, one for them in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you.
0: Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
1: It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who on this day overcame death in the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Holy God, mighty Lord, gracious Father, you have filled all creation with light and life. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. You lifted Noah and his family in the ark. You promised to bless all nations through Abraham. You delivered Moses and the Israelites. You renewed your promises through the prophets. And now you have spoken through your Son, who in words and deeds proclaimed your kingdom and was obedient to your will. In your tender mercy, you gave him your one and only Son To suffer death on the cross for our redemption by the one offering of himself he made there a full perfect and sufficient sacrifice oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world
0: our lord jesus christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said FOR THE FORGIVENESS OF SINS. THIS DO AS OFTEN AS YOU
1: DRINK IT IN REMEMBRANCE OF ME. THEREFORE, GRACIOUS FATHER, REMEMBERING HIS BLESSED PASSION, MIGHTY RESURRECTION AND GLORIOUS ASCENSION, WE HUMBLY THANK YOU FOR THIS WONDERFUL GIFT OF SALVATION THROUGH YOUR SON'S OWN BODY AND BLOOD. THROUGH HIM, WITH HIM, IN HIM, IN THE UNITY OF THE HOLY SPIRIT, ALL GLORY AND HONOR BE YOURS, ALMIGHTY FATHER, NOW AND FOREVER. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you
0: always.
1: Hear the prayer of your people, O Lord, that the lips which have praised you here may glorify you in the world, that the eyes which have seen the coming of your Son may long for his coming again, and that all who have received in his true body and blood the pledge of your forgiveness may be restored to live a new and holy life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.